0: inner circle only I am inner circle no you're
1: not inner circle only I am inner circle
0: you are now listening to the inner circle podcast network
1: coming to you live from Hollywood Boulevard pre-recorded deep in a warehouse that looks somewhat like the Indiana Jones but this one's a little bit better because you can literally get everything you ever want failing hollywood i'm your host mikey t and we got a very 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 special guest here i'm introducing the owner of the iss prop house former prop master greg bilson jr how's it going greg it's going pretty good how are you good thanks for coming in and
0: joining me today like hanging out with a fellow prop master it's kind of cool
1: yeah 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 how when's the last time you've prop mastered anything Wow, um,
0: <laughs> I did second unit on "Hmm, the Town" with Ben Affleck.
1: Oh, I, really? I primarily the did, LA. The no, LA the unit? Bo- you Boston. Went, you went out to Boston to do second unit.
0: Yeah, second unit. It was guns. It was yeah. Fenway Park. It was a pretty cool experience.
1: Yeah, where are you from originally? Are you from out here
0: or? I'm an actual Angelino. You're an actual Angelino? Yeah, a native California. But you're,
1: you're a fan of like a lot of the Boston teams and stuff, right?
0: You know, I have to say, I was there for about five weeks on that show, and I love the town, I love the people, I love the sports... It was a great experience for me, and uh, I like winners. And Brady, and <laughs> Brady, and the Patriots have uh, won a few World uh, Series—not World Series, not World Series uh, Super Bowls, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, just a few. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about him retiring now?
0: You know what? I'm really happy for him. He yeah. gets to go home to a uh, Victoria's Secret supermodel. The poor, <laughs> the poor dog. Um, and he does is not retiring, being carted off uh, on a stretcher. Um, he's 44 years old. There's 22-year-old kids looking to take his head off that weigh 290 pounds. I mean, it's time to hang it up. What more does he have to prove?
1: No. Yeah, nothing. I would have liked it if he filled up that other hand, but, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's like kind I mean, of obscene. If, if, yeah, yeah. I would say if he won this one, then maybe it would be. belichick has eight, though, so he's only, like, two away. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> Belichick may get there. He's stubborn enough to probably somehow win another one or two.
1: Oh, guaranteed. I don't see him retiring any time soon. No,
0: but that's another reason I just like the Patriots. Everything from the owner to the management, it was never about one player. It was always kind of about next man up. Right. People would take you know contractual concessions to keep the team together. Right. Uh, even Brady did that. Yeah,
1: he gave up a lot of his paycheck to, to do that. <laughs>
0: yeah, and, and these days when you, loyalty isn't as... Uh, and as important as your bank account and a bunch of zeros behind it. At a certain point, once you re- uh, achieve a certain amount of success and you have all that money, what does it matter?
1: Yeah. And he's got it all. He's doing I mean, okay. He, in his lifetime, I guarantee you, no one's going to kind of reach the status that. He's no, ever.
0: and the best part, he's not even the breadwinner in the family. I know. <laughs> yeah, his wife does quite a bit better than he does. Yeah, I
1: think that's why he was able to like give up half of his paycheck so easily, because he's like, you know what? I'd rather be more infamous, and money ain't a problem. I'm here. pretty
0: sure the Brady family's going to be okay. Yeah, I <laughs> guaranteed.
1: Yeah, I wonder is
0: she is she still modeling? Uh, If she's not, she certainly could be. She's a a very savvy businesswoman as well, so I know they have product lines and everything else.
1: Awesome. So you come from uh, a family of prop masters, right?
0: Yes, our industry and nepotism, they are sometimes synonymous, and I am (laughs) a product of nepotism. My father was a property master, and uh, um, I think our industry really is well-suited to nepotism. It it gets your foot in the door, but you have to walk through that door.
1: Right, right totally totally i i just saw your father on uh the movies that made us actually Uh, i think on the coming to america episode
0: yeah i heard that he was on there so uh that's great (laughs) he's getting a a a few props no pun intended yeah (laughs) in the latter part of his career for some pretty big jobs
1: that he did yeah some awesome jobs yeah um so was your grandfather a prop master, too? Is... No, the only one
0: that I know that goes back that far, I think, is Drew Petrada and his family. I believe his grandfather was a prop master or in props, as was his dad, and now Drew is. Right. So that's a full three generations going back, gosh, almost 80 years. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, we're rookies but, by comparison. I'm yeah, only, I'm that's only almost s-
1: like when it started. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I'm
0: only second generation, but I do have three sons that are all in Local 44 and are all involved in the business.
1: Do they Do they have aspirations to become a prop master too, or are they more trying to take over the business of ISS? Well,
0: no. No. Um, they're not going to take over the business of ISS, <laughs> um, only because I have sold the companies. Really? Um, this is uh, maybe not late breaking news, yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the deal actually uh, went down uh, at the very end of last year. Uh, we now have a strategic partner that's a, a large Entertainment industry that has a a very large global footprint, and we're working hand in hand with them at ISS. I'm still working at ISS, I'm going to be there for uh, a good many years, as are two of my three children. Right, Um, but my oldest son, no, not going to be a prop master, he values his life outside the set hours. I feel that (laughs) Uh, my middle son wants to get into propping shows once his daughter's a little bit older, Uh, and my youngest son will probably be a, a bona fide property master. He's kind of a spaz like. Me and he'll be ideally suited to being a property master.
1: Yeah, and they have somebody good to be able to show them that. Too. <laughs> well,
0: I will show them what I know. But the business, as you know, has changed so much from when I was propping shows, and yeah. I, I left, uh, I left NYPD Blue, a TV show, in its beginning of the third season to come into ISS and run those uh, companies uh, almost thirty-one years ago.
1: Yeah. So back then, I mean, you didn't really have the internet to be able to find everything that you do now. <laughs> You really had to go out and source all these things. <laughs> yeah,
0: you did. We had things called a Rolodex and, right. a, and a little black book and uh, uh, phone calls to where you would call people, encyclopedias, yeah. uh, libraries. I mean, just now you Google something and it comes up. It's. I'm not saying it's easier because um, the needs of programs, both in television and features, are more complex than ever before. Right. Um, so in many ways, the job is harder than it used to be. Um, But the finding out the information is much easier than it once was.
1: I mean, yeah, unless you have the producers that don't want to give you information like certain shows.
0: Yeah, uh, it's the, the chain of command and the communication skills on film sets these days is not what it was when... I was shit. I feel
1: like that had to have been more dialed in back then to be able to do all the sources now. Because I feel like your timeline has definitely crunched down. You're trying to, they're trying to do things with almost no prep anymore.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I, I blame us in a sense is that you have a lot of good property masters right. over the years <laughs> that have so gotten used to pulling rabbits out of their ass. Yeah, uh, producers think rabbits live in prop masters' asses. Yeah, I, I, so. If it was if they if it was like epic fail and it shut down production, they would have to change ways. But there's so many talented craftspeople, you know, property masters, decorators, effects people that just routinely pull rabbits out of their ass. It's just like the norm now. So unfortunately for you youngins, yeah, <laughs> um, you get less prep and less information, and you have to kind of wing it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, which is fine if you're on something that's, you know, third, fourth, fifth season, you kind of have it dialed in. But when you're starting off on a project that's kind of high concept, it's design, it's building, it's making. Oh, yeah. Um, it's really hard if you're not on the same page. Um, you know, if, you're, oh, yeah. if you meet with somebody and you instantly connect with them and you feel like you're both making the same project and then other projects, you're on it and you're having a meeting with the director, a line producer, or a creative type, and you're not even on the same page ballpark it's like you're making completely different projects it's it's difficult to get dialed in like that
1: yeah mostly episodic tv is really crazy too because I mean you have these directors that come in that some are producers that have a little bit of say but really your main person is the showrunner and that main producer so the director doesn't even have much say in anything that they're doing
0: (laughs) no particularly with episodic tv like you said oftentimes it is a, a group of people that come in from the outside they're not part of the inner circle um, it's kind of already predetermined what the shots are going to be. Right. There's not a lot of creativity that the director ultimately has, unless it's the executive producer or somebody that's got yeah, yeah. more pool with that particular show. Um, and I feel bad for him because you could see that they're wanting to try to be creative and do something really different, yeah. but they're almost like not allowed to. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. like done by committee and it's already been decided. Right. <laughs> so the TV world is just so different now.
1: I love the TV world though. Like I, I'm, I, I like doing movies just because you kind of do get a little bit more time and it's a little bit more dialed in and you can kind of, as a prop master, you can kind of be on set for more of that to where TV you really can't. But I like TV, I like episodic more specifically, just making out the one long extended storyline, which I guess... Isn't the case for American Horror Stories, but I think that's that kind of is like a little bit of the best of both worlds because at least we're doing like we're doing a movie every episode.
0: Yeah, it's super creative. the The concept is very high. You guys have to really be on your game. Yeah, to get that done in eight nine days shooting schedule. I, I like. I don't even see how you do it.
1: Yeah, I know it's 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 getting stressful, and that's one thing where it gets. I think in, in the Ryan Murphy world where he has like eight different shows going on at one time, that's like the hardest thing because it's like he. He ultimately has every say over the big, big props, and they obviously have to go to him to get approved, but sometimes you you don't always get an immediate answer.
0: Yeah, I've heard getting his time is very difficult, and he has a process, and you're not Mm going to vary from it. And then when the decision is made, if it goes in a different direction, you have to really scramble to get what they want.
1: Yeah, especially when it involves builds or anything that's major manufacturing and And a lot of the episodes there are. (laughs) Right. So we have to figure that out a lot of the times, which I'm getting good at it. (laughs) Baptism by fire. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't screwed up yet. So that's... (laughs) that's No,
0: whatever. It's kind of like a badge of honor these days when a lot of people complain about, you know, hostile work environments and it's not warm and fuzzy. He's not known for being warm and fuzzy. It is what I would call a hostile work environment. (laughs) You have to survive in it every day. And uh, the badge of honor goes to you because you've survived it and you've been asked back and you're part of that team now. So yeah.
1: And that's the team is like the key word there is because the team over there is like kind of what makes it like all the people on the show are kind of a pleasure to work with. Like They're all very friendly, they're easy to talk to. When you have issues bringing them up, like they they listen and they help out and they understand for the most part. And it's-
0: when, when you try to explain to somebody from the outside that doesn't know what a property master is or does, most people in the world don't know what it is. Right. But the way I like to explain it to people uh, is that when you're on a project, and like Ryan Murphy's a perfect example, It's a collaborative art form. And you sometimes have dozens or even hundreds of people that are integrally involved on what ends up on screen. There's no collaborative art form that I can think of that involves that many people that lives on forever when it's done
1: at a high level like that. No.
0: And that's exciting. I don't know how you couldn't get into that. Yeah. you know.
1: No, and the creativity is what kind of like, I don't know, it keeps me going because everything is super interesting. Like the research you do, you like... You kind of go. I, I fall into a lot of rabbit holes uh, on the show, in particular,ly and so does the production designer, and that's why we have such a good bonding relationship. Is we go through these same rabbit holes, almost a little bit too deep in the research, to where we're like almost trying to reconstruct like the script <laughs> into the background of like what's going on in the scene and the building of the characters. Which, but um, it's
0: it's kind of nice. I can see your enthusiasm and. Um, It's very, very nice to see somebody that's so into the process. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of other people that are kind of mo, blow, and go. They're there for a paycheck. They're not really into it. They're not invested. And I can see that from production's perspective, they must love getting a young prop master like you that is totally into it. It's working 24 seven, trying to give them the absolute best props for every single scene. You don't take a moment off.
1: Oh, totally. We take the moment off when when the show's over. And I think I told you that. I was like, yeah, we're going to take a month and a half off and travel and do that stuff. So that's when we do it. I'm sure... Once we have kids, it might be a little bit different. but
0: <laughs> you, you, you know what? You're doing it right because this is a very intense industry. Um, you know, 75 and 80-hour weeks are the norm. Right. And if you string season after season, year after year, you become very old very fast. And, yeah. And unfortunately, a little angry and bitter. I, I love seeing your photographs on Instagram because it makes me realize you are taking the time to enjoy the moment. Take a little time off, spend a little bit of that money you made. Oh, yeah. So when you come back to doing those 75 and 80 hour weeks, you're not burnt out. You're refreshed. You're ready to oh, do it yeah. again. It's like a clean slate, you know?
1: No, yeah, totally. Even coming back to this show is like, I, I took so much time. I mean, I took jobs. Like, I helped Richie out a little bit on Westworld. And then I, I did like a couple commercials here and there and, and uh, did a couple like little pickup movies. And but was what, good, what but...
0: people don't understand, and you clearly do, is that when you're assisting somebody, you're not thinking about what you have to get over the weekend. You're not shopping 24-7. You're not waking no. up in the morning thinking, is the food stylist going to show up? Did the animal wrangler no. show up? It's like <laughs> all those things that you don't have to think about. You're working with somebody. It's almost like a paid vacation.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. It's <laughs> it makes it a lot easier. And, and I think even when I do, I still don't mind working with other prop masters. I think mostly because other prop masters have seen my shift also so they don't hire me to work on the sets anymore like when i go on like i'm working in the office with them helping them source stuff and doing stuff like that so i very rarely am actually in the midst of it working all-nighters which is kind of what i'm getting ready to stray away from like like i I'm past running sets. Like, I don't like to do that anymore. Well, that's the other
0: thing. You, on the episodic things, you know, you'd show up on set and you'd get crap from the grip, the electrician. Oh, look who decided to show up today. It's like what they don't realize. (laughs) If you were there every day, all the time, the next day, the next episode, the next month wouldn't be getting prepped and they wouldn't have anything to shoot. You can't be there all the time. No. (laughs) No.
1: Not at all. I like being on the day shift. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's a huge thing. And then my wife being a shopper, or being my shopper particularly now, is we're on the same shift. So it makes it a little bit easier. We we, if we still have a little bit of work to do at the end of the day. Going home at the end of the day to be able to like finish it off there is great. And we can do that together. You're
0: really doing something that is playing with fire. You're working with your wife.
1: <laughs> that's what Pat Russo keeps telling me too. He's like, I would hire a shopper that's not your wife for a couple jobs and see how that goes I'll like we work well together you know it's funny you would say that my
0: wife and i have worked together at iss she runs the expendables department right um now, I would not say she works for me. I'm, not, I'm, I'm married and happily married long time. I would yeah. not say something like that. She runs her own department. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to tell her to do anything. She knows exactly what she's doing. Oh, but yeah. we also work very well together. Yeah. Um, we've never had a, a, a disagreement or an argument at work. But on a film set doing 75, 80-hour weeks, that's a completely different kettle of fish
1: yeah i think it helps that when i'm doing a lot of 70 80 hours she'll she's still doing her 10 hour days and going home a little bit early smart man yeah so she likes that she could still get away and go home and i think that's like that's the great about it. i think that's what made us like more motivated to maybe start trying to have kids soon also is she realized like maybe we won't need as much childcare in this kind of dynamic as we thought we might and like to end up having to pay like she could still work like she really wants to work and do this stuff but she still has the time to be able to bring a kid like to school or daycare or whatever and, and like pick them up at the end of the day. It,
0: it, well, that, that's another great thing about the evolution of technology and our industry is that uh, a woman that has a child, like your wife, can actually do a lot of the shopping, buying paperwork uh-huh. without having to physically go on the phone totally. set. So there's Amazon and eBay and oh, all totally. the paperwork. So she could still get in a full day in between right. raising a child. So yeah. she'll just be a little extra tired when
1: you get home. Oh, totally, yeah. She spends a couple two hours a day almost Doing the cachet and the and the dialing the receipts and stuff like that, so that's all homework you can do. So, which is great,
0: (laughs) never ending. But I I am totally, (laughs) I'm kind of excited about all the changes. And one of the changes that's going to be offered a lot of opportunities for young prop masters like you is that there are so many of us old guys retiring. Right. There are some massive. That's what
1: forced me to step up. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, it it was it was uh was it brian rogers getting right. the call even for this because he didn't he retired after story last story and they hit him up again for this and he couldn't do it and parker refused to do it parker swanson yeah that. so a lot of like the other bigger prop masters to where the production designer who was a friend of mine was like oh no you really need to go and they looked at my resume and said uh and then they went through the bigger line and too many of the older guys have retired <laughs> right everybody i look up to pretty much like and came up under uh, retired, uh, Polish River being like the main big one. And yeah, it almost broke my heart when she retired, but I was already starting to prop master. She's like, you're a prop master now anyway.
0: <laughs> no. And, and you're not looking back. I mean, the moment you make that decision and you become a prop master, everybody is seeing you now as a prop master. They don't look at you as an assistant no. and, and you'll never look back. You'll jump in when you want to, to assist and jump in and help people. Yeah. But for the most part, everybody knows you're a property master moving forward. And you're one of the best younger ones that I know. Oh, thank you. Huh? Uh, and it's not just because you shop with me, <laughs> but, uh, but I I see a lot of them, and um, I ha- I don't see a ton of them that are really really good. Yeah. Um. I I, I see some. Your one, uh, Jamie Mayhew. Yeah.
1: Um, Teresa Corvino is definitely Corvino. Cor-
0: I mean, there's a handful of really good, yeah. passionate people. Marissa Bergman. Yeah. Um, Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. Yeah. yeah. There's a
1: couple like it, it, I'm trying to stay tight. Like I I've. I found the good ones and we're kind of making the moves together too. And we're trying to like stay tight and we're trading information. We're trying to build up together and make sure like we support each other and do it right. There's a
0: little (laughs) greater camaraderie I'm seeing amongst some of the new young people. Back in the old days, um, it was a little more competitive. You didn't want to give your inside information to your buddy who's also a prop master because they might like that prop master better than you. And the next project that comes along, you won't get the phone call. No, Uh, Doug Fox, an old friend of mine, and also one of those (laughs) old prop masters that's getting closer to retiring, he would always tell me, hey – a producer of mine is doing a show. I can't do it. Get him somebody good, but don't get him somebody that yeah. good. Yeah. They wanted to make sure he wasn't better than he was. So when the phone call came up again, he'd still get the first phone call. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I always will. I mean, they're like also my friends too. Like the way we pass. Like we, we kind of like we've been telling each other how to negotiate and like kind of build up. Like using intel on. Like I mean, that's how. We helped each other get the trailers through the help of you guys, obviously, too, and finding a lot of that. So it, it it's helped us a lot. And I, even, oh, there's one thing we just started doing is we started uh, doing weapons training classes right. to try to, like, learn that. And the big thing on Rust, I think that's what made us, like, do the push. And it's just a bunch of us young prop masters just getting together to learn it all and taking these. And we're trying to do this, like, every other month to try to build up, to get up to, like, John style tactical training courses that'll just teach you like what tactics SWAT uses. So we're more knowledgeable in that, what the military uses just all around, just to make us better knowledge about everything you could possibly be with weapons.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's something that we're doing uh, that ISS with Larry and Carl, Uh, IOTC actually made Larry the official spokesperson for the IOTC with regard to weapon safety procedures and processes on film sets. So we're actually going to different regions and teaching local prop people uh, basic set etiquette, gun safety, what to do, what not to do. Um, So anytime your group wants to get more sophisticated training, I will make that available to everybody. Was
1: Larry the one that had his little reality show? through he's, you guys. He still does. He still does. Yeah. That's still right. They, they, no they just
0: got picked up for season six. No it, way. Hollywood weapons. Hollywood weapons. He's yeah. one of the on-camera personalities. Yeah. And uh, he, I mean, the term expert in our industry is really tremendously overused. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say this of Larry, he's truly a gun expert. Yeah. He has a, a, a historical knowledge of weapons who used them? How they were used? His safety is unparalleled. Um, he has tremendous amount of respect from all of his peers. Yeah, um, he's a great guy to work with. He's really exceptional. Um, yeah, and, and he's yeah, a so, nice guy. Too. And we're trying to to download that information into the heads of property masters all over the United States and all over the world. That's part of why we also formed the Prop Masters Guild. Right. So it's not just so we can all stand around and pat each other on the back and say how cool we are. Uh, we are, but that yeah, goes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of goes without saying. Yeah. But it's also to raise the level of what our expectations of our craft is. Yeah. Um, if we can't rebrand ourselves and educate each other and make ourselves better, Um, our union's not going to do that for us. Totally. And 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 we've realized that. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a global industry. I mean, we know people and prop masters from all over the world, and everybody does it slightly different. So how cool is it to share all that information and make each project you do better than the last one? Oh, totally. So 10 years from now, what people will expect of a prop master and a crew should really be exceptional. And then maybe at some point, um, the the producers and the academies right. and the guilds will totally. realize that when they have the art department up there and they're getting to thank their mom and dad for having them for the totally. Globes, the Emmys, and the Oscars, they'll realize that if you take out what the prop master did on those projects, yeah. not only do they not get nominated, but they certainly don't win the award. No. <laughs> so therefore, why isn't the prop master on that stage?
1: They're lucky that they're, they even get an invite, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah.
0: I have only seen on two different occasions. I believe Nancy Haig was the person who did it on both occasions. Yeah. She actually thanked the property master for the job they did when she won her Oscar yeah. for art art direction.
1: Right. Yeah, The I think the, the production designer on this said that, like I think after one of our episodes, she's like, oh, prop master should really be up there with us for like any Emmy Awards and stuff like that. I well, was,
0: hopefully um, mean... <laughs> after a few years as we grow the guild and we start um, – raising the awareness of what a property master, a good property master, brings to a film and or a television set. My hope is that we almost embarrass them into inviting us on that stage. Yeah. is
1: yeah. Does the, Has the Producers Guild recognized the Prop Masters Guild yet? Or
0: No. This is really early formation. We're, we've literally just gone live the last few weeks. Awesome. Uh, we will actually have an award show. So we will give ourselves an award if nobody yeah. else will. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get to thank my mom uh, for having me. Um, well, that's a way
1: you were just say it's hard to get prop masters to appreciate each other. That's a way right there with a bunch of prop masters getting together to like, give praise to each other. And, and, you know what? When I see a show
0: and I see props that were done exceptionally well. Whether the prop master was a client of ours, whether they are in California, East Coast, or in Europe, I do my very best to get in contact with that person and just tell them, wow, what a great job. I was blown away. It was tremendous. Totally. Um, And I don't think anybody has ever said, you know, oh, F you. I don't do business. Whatever. It's like – I, and I honestly, genuinely appreciate it. I'm still a total TV and film geek. Uh, I love when a project is done well. Yeah. When you read a script and then you see it on camera and you see it on the screen, it's like all the casting was perfect. Every scene was perfect. Totally. The props were perfect. And yeah. when you do your props really well, people don't realize this, but I'm kind of a prop geek as well you directly impact the actor or actress's performance oh yeah because if the prop isn't working and they're not really feeling like they're a doctor they're not gonna be a doctor no not at all (laughs) And, and people don't realize that no offense to our decorators and some of the other people in the art direction but it's not the same thing when they're sitting on the couch no uh or walking through a door or being on a set the prop master is directly interactive with the yeah, a
1: hundred percent. I think it's it, it. goes to say it's like if somebody wants to try to like I don't know somebody sitting at home that has nothing to do with the industry wants to call something out on a film. The first thing they're gonna go to is the inconsistency of a prop. Yes. So if you don't do that poorly. That's the first thing that people notice, I think.
0: Unfortunately, that is one of the horrible things I hate about right. this business, Yes, is that oftentimes the only time the position of property master is spoken about is when there's a, an egregious mistake. Right. Or, unfortunately, even worse on rust when somebody passed away. Right, right. How many times did we hear hear the term property master or armor or props mentioned in such a negative way? Oh, yeah. That's not the kind of press we want.
1: No, not at all.
0: (laughs) And when our job is done exceptionally well, nobody even notices it because you're in the scene. It's the way it's supposed to be. Nothing stood out. Yeah. So it's one of those jobs when you do it exceedingly well, nobody notices because it's the way it's supposed to be. Totally, totally. But when something stands out, then it's like, oh my god!
1: Yeah, I know. That. It's it, it's it can be world news in certain situations, which yeah. is kind of horrible. I'd say, I mean, it it's a lot of the problems also. I think inconsistencies or things that aren't accurate. Like I do my best to make sure everything's accurate, but the director, I hate when you get the note. It's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's just the type of show or stuff like that. It's like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and you don't worry about it, but this is going on my resume yes. and I want to worry about it. But at the end of the day, I've gotten to some pretty passionate discussions about what was right and what was wrong. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they're my boss. It's, it's their true. project it's and if true. this if this is their version or vision of what this is, even if the 1980s thing should not have been there cuz it's a 1990s film or 1960s film yeah. it's it's their choice totally
1: 100% i don't Which, like it <laughs> when did you start prop mastering and what like what made you decide to start prop mastering aside from watching dad like there's, what's, what was the trigger, I guess? That...
0: Well, it, it wasn't a dad thing because I didn't really even know my dad until I was probably 13, 14. No a, shit. Th- that Well, that whole divorce thing. So, of course, of course. Uh, raised by my mom and my stepdad for the most part. But I did move back to California when I was 16, and I moved in with my dad. And uh, I started working at other places as a PA and, and doing things like that. Um, it's funny. I was a PA on a non-union show. Uh, out in Simi Valley when I got a phone call to do a movie of the week as a permit. Oh, um, really? Yeah, and I got to do the permit. I, I got my days in on the reshoots, and then it segued right into another little movie of the week, and I got my 30 days in. Uh, n- not even really from— Like working as an
1: art PA? Or no, just... I, I was
0: just a total PA. I was, I was working at Filmfare Hisk originally as like a commercial PA doing the 16-, 18-hour days, doing So what everything. union
1: did you— what did you get permitted to go into?
0: Local 44. It was 44 yeah.
1: as a PA? Uh,
0: no, I was I was a PA on, on the project when Local 44 Opened l- called box. me and oh, said, hey, gotcha. there's a permit situation. They've requested you. Boom, I got the phone call, Man. and I went out and did it.
1: It's gotten real harder since that. Oh, when
0: I hear what people go through to get in the yeah. union now. It's like, you know, and when a show flips, you know, it starts off non, non-signatory non and then it totally. flips. Then everybody's in the union. That happens a lot. And that happens with some people, luckily, like the first time out. But I know other people that have struggled for 5, 10, 15 years before they get on a job that actually flips. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that there's that much non-union stuff that even takes place anymore, is there?
1: Um, there is, uh, it's not a lot. Most reality I think is still non-union, um, which is poor, but my, I have a buddy that, uh, he comes, he, he co-hosts with this a lot of times, but he just got in last year and he was doing a lot of non-union, but his, he was having the same discussion to where he's like, it sucks because there's so much union work right now and like there's things opening there. Like a lot of the unions were opening their books, but he said there's almost no non-union stuff aside from the stuff that's like paying bottom of the barrel minimum wage.
0: Yeah. I mean, the union's a little out of touch with how to get qualified people into our craft. Right. Because I don't mean to sound like we're special, but we are a little different when A prop person is on a film set. They're interfacing with the talent, the directors, the producers, everything at a high level. Um, If you're just doing set dressing or you're a grip or you're an electrician, it's just not the same interaction. So you don't just get anybody to fill an on-set position on a film set. Yeah. I mean, if you have a buddy that's a hothead, yeah, for course. example, you're not going to throw him on a film set with a temperamental actor or actress, right? Not at all. <laughs> because you know when they lose their shit, shit yeah. rolls downhill, it's going to be on you, you're going to be fired, they're going to be fired, everybody's going to be Very fired. Very selective. Yes. So you have to have like the right temperament, yeah. you have to have like those uh, observation skills, you can see something's about to go wrong, yeah. so you jump in there and fix it before totally. it goes wrong. Um, you have to have great observation skills, and not everybody is that way.
1: Right. Not yeah.
0: every hat fits every head. No,
1: right? I have experienced that a lot, and I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> and you
0: know, as a prop master, because you can't physically be there all yeah, the time. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm extremely selective, and I think I, I think I like was posting somewhere to like see. It was like oh. Um, Looking for somebody who's good on set, who's a prop person. I don't want somebody who's a set does as a set dresser and a prop person. I want someone that like they love props and they're a prop person. And I a lot of people didn't like that post, and they're like, "Oh, how can't you be both?" It's like it, you can be both. It's just not what I'm looking for. And you know it, that people could understand what I was asking. It's you know? funny
0: that people lose sight of the fact, regardless of whether they have an issue with that. Yeah, you're the person seeking the person that you want. Yes. so it's really. Per your parameters. Yeah. They don't have to like it. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm so like over people being overly sensitive. Oh, totally. At a certain point, it is what you want. Yeah. And if
1: they don't want to do it, then don't do it. And I want a passionate prop person. Yeah, And yes. that is it. It's like, I, I want someone that's so passionate that they're they're at the point in their life. Like, I set dressed in props for a long time, in the, but it, there was, it took to a point in my life where I was like, I'm not set dressing anymore, ever again. Right. <laughs> like, I don't... Like, I have lead men I love. I'm, I'm done. I'm sorry. And it took that point. I needed somebody that had passed that threshold at least. You know? and, then, and
0: then the other tricky part, you get a really good person. Yeah. And you assemble a really great crew. Yeah. And then there's snipers everywhere. Oh. People are trying to snag. already happened. Yeah. <laughs> people are trying to snag, and somebody gets a good reputation. And then the next tricky part is you get somebody really good. You've got a couple of years under your belt. You're just yin and yang. You're on the same page yeah. all the time. Now they want to be a prop master.
1: Oh, yeah. And now they
0: start doing their thing. So there's very few people that are super highly skilled, high-functioning, assistant property masters that don't want to become a property master. Yeah. I can literally count those top-notch world people on two hands. There's less
1: than 10 of them in the world. Right. It's a really, really tough position.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: I'm glad... I'm glad like people like uh, like Pat Russo stepped up when he did because it was around the same time as me where he should have. And he was the one that was like pushed me, I think, more than anybody also, because he was like, I just did it. And I should have did it when I was your age. And I'm kicking myself that whole time because I could have been doing this for 10 years and I was just not ready to step up and do it. So he, I was like, should I get a trail? He's like, get it right now and never look back. Take but, it. but the bottom line is you don't know what you don't know. You don't know. You don't and, know. And, and I, I didn't just, think I could handle it. It's the same thing. It's just on a bigger scale. You gotta figure out a few other things, but you'll you work with it. Yeah. Our job every single day is showing up
0: on a film set and solving problems the entire time you're there. You show up on a film set and the place you were gonna load in now isn't working, no. or the actor's a vegan and you can't do this. Or there's a million things that yeah. could happen. So you have to adjust that totally. the whole time. And and you just you just do it you just, you just, you know, put your big boy pants on and you just figure out a way. And hopefully when you do it, you get to collaborate with people that you like. Yeah. They appreciate what you did. Um, but that doesn't always happen. Yeah, totally. Sometimes they just take it for granted and you're just, you know, a person that's doing a job you're supposed to. And there's like almost no interaction.
1: Yeah. What did you do after you got into 44?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) You know what? I'm dating myself, but I got in when it was a three-card, two-card, one-card system. So it was really frustrating. I would be on a set dressing crew or I'd be doing props, and I was the three-card on the show. So when they had a layoff or a slowdown, the three card was the first to go. So, all the one cards so that's and two the, cards.
1: Similar to like the Teamsters? Yeah, the grouping okay. system yeah. and
0: seniority. So, it was really frustrating though. I knew I was kicking butt and I was the best person on that crew, but because I was the rookie and I was a three card, yeah. I would get laid off first. So, for the first two years in 44, I only worked about four to six months. Oh, man. Because it wasn't crazy busy like it is now. Yeah. And then about uh, 30 days before I was going to get my one-card classification, the next contract came up, and they blew up the the classifications. So <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I'm finally about to become a one-card, and now I don't do it. So um, I was just doing odd jobs. I got a call, a one-day call at 20th Century Fox for the fixtures department. Oh, okay. And I was told to bring your tools and bring a stickle back. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> And then I called a bunch of my buddies. I'm like, all right, hey, I'm going to Fox. I'm doing this whole um, fixtures thing. They told me to bring a stickleback. I go, what in the F is a stickleback? Yeah. So it's this weird little augering tool that you screw into, and you can cut through Luan for uh-huh. when you're putting up fixtures. Okay. Luckily, Roscoe Hardware, way back in the day, was there, and they actually had sticklebacks. Yeah. So I bought a couple of them. I showed up there. I was there for almost nine years. Holy um, crap. I started in a one day call at fixtures. And then I met some people. I did a few day calls um, at uh, the Fall Guy. I jumped on to uh, the moonlighting set for the Bruce and Sybil Shepherd. Yeah. And I started becoming an assistant prop master. Oh, and cool. I huh. eventually worked my way up to a set prop master gig on season four.
1: From working on fixtures? At yeah, Fox, just kind of getting, <laughs> yeah. getting to know people.
0: And That's obviously, cool. my last name is Bilson. And. Yeah. A lot of people knew my father.
1: Had he started the ISS at this point? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Bro, ISS was going. It was like you know a, a busy, good prop house, but it was still just in its infant. It was in its infancy back then. Yeah. It was like a tiny little company with just really a few employees. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I was propping. Um, Long story short, I've got my property master's card when I was on moonlighting because I got the necessary hours. Um, And back then, we had to take a test. There was like, you broke down a script, you had a panel of people that were shooting oh, questions cool. your way. So it was like... I kind
1: of wish we still had that. Yeah, I, I do too. Like, <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, I kind of like it. And, and nowadays, it's just, you know, you write a check, boom, you're in. Uh, yeah. And anybody can be a prop master.
1: 2,500 hours as an assistant prop master. Don't yeah, that yeah and <laughs> that,
0: that's true. And that's a lot of work. That can be a couple of years for people.
1: It took me two and a half years. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, I was on the last season of Moonlighting. It was kind of spiraling downward. It, yeah. was, it was a very dramatic show with the relationship with Bruce and Sybil and a friend of mine was doing a pilot, a guy named Doug Keenan for Stephen Bochco and it was a thing called Doogie Howser, MD. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he wanted me to be the set master and if they liked me, I would have the opportunity to become the property master on the show because it's about some young kids yeah. and they didn't want some old crusty prop master they wanted some young you know slightly hipper yeah young prop guy so I was like 25 yeah um, and I did the pilot and they liked me and uh, I, I did Doogie Hauser for four seasons. Really yeah How, how long did the show run? <laughs> it went four seasons it went four seasons <laughs> I, went, uh, I was planning on leaving that season because I was kind of bored doing uh, Doogie and Steven Bochco was doing a new show called NYPD Blue. Yeah. And I went to the producers, and I asked them, hey, if, if given the opportunity, could I have have a chance to do this NYPD Blue show? And they gave me the chance to do it. Awesome. And then I went to NYPD Blue, and just I just had a ball. And I got to go to New York, and um, it was just a wonderful show. It was a challenge. You got to set up a show from inception, so it was much more involved for yeah, me.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: So, But then again, I got bored.
1: Yeah. So <laughs>
0: after season two of that, uh, I was going to go into season three. And I was thinking about hanging up the old uh, prop shoes and becoming uh, an associate producer in post-production.
1: Really? uh, That's a left turn. You know what?
0: It's just I wasn't challenged. You know, know, once you set up a show um, and it's kind of all established and you're in the precinct again or you're in the operating scene again, it's kind of the same old thing. Yeah. Business-wise, it wasn't much of a challenge. Yeah. So I was just about to pull that plug because i was basically going to go back to pa wages so my wife and i would be like starving for a few years yeah um and my dad was kind of having a meltdown with the managers at iss at the time yeah and he kind of just said hey would you want to come in and give this a try try managing it try stepping in and and running the companies yeah i I thought about it you know and i said sure let's let's give it a try i'll try it for i'll try it for a year yeah. And at the end of that year, we'll get together and we'll see if you like the job I'm doing for you and if I like the job I'm doing.
1: When, when when you went
0: in, was it, had you guys have moved to Sun Valley yet? or We were in Sun Valley, but we were just in one little building and it was about, I think at the time we had 12 or... 14 employees. So we it had, wasn't the
1: same building. Oh no no, no, no. It was
0: it was small. It was a little 20,000 square foot building. Oh, okay. Uh, we just did props. We didn't have manufacturing, no no graphics, no, graphics. no guns, no. It was tiny. Yeah. yeah it just kind of grew into this much larger prop machine over the next 30 years.
1: Yeah. And you helped build it into what it is today. Then you know what people say. You know, I (laughs) I
0: I would like to say it was some master plan that I had in the beginning. I was I was terrified. I was young. I was thirty years old. I stepped into a company with you know payroll and employees. My biggest fear was that I was going to come into what was a successful company and run it into the ground. Yeah, I mean, so it was. uh, I was very nervous about failing. So I worked really hard to make sure I didn't fail. And, uh, you know, because I was a prop master, I think I connected with our clients with regard to what it was they actually needed.
1: Yeah, you could relate and you can kind of know when they yeah. needed to find something specific. <laughs> and
0: I wasn't a bean counter running a company like a bean counter would run it. I was a property master running a company whose primary clients are property masters. Right. So... I think we just connected. And I'm also very fortunate. Most of my clients and a lot of the people I do business with are actually my friends. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I know them. And, yeah. I, and I, for the most part, like them. Yeah. Um, and that's a very different position to be in running a company. Um, I am that guy that a lot of other corporate America hates. I get to go to work each day and I have fun doing what I do. Totally. Um, and somebody pays me for it. So yeah. how good is that? Yeah. I've spent a great life doing props, working with people I love, going to places that are crazy, having stories that tell that most people probably think I'm just full of shit. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> and it's been just a crazy great ride. It's yeah. been wa- awesome.
1: And I mean, ISS, Independent Studio Services, it has pretty much turned into probably the biggest hand prop house in the world. <laughs> well,
0: I, I joke with people, it's it's not the size of your prop house, it's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? It, we Like I said, it wasn't our intention to set out and be that company, but um, what started in my dad's garage in 1977, yeah. because he was doing business with one of our competitors, he didn't like the service he received. So yeah. basically he said... F you, I'm going to do my own thing, and I'll never do business with you again. And that turned into a company that is in twelve states in 12 two, states, two, <laughs> two countries, and uh, two hundred plus employees. Yeah, so which
1: is amazing. It, it, it's crazy, it's, it, it, amazing to go there because you guys for prop masters are a one stop shop. Like you have first of all, you let us keep our trailers there, which is insane on its own. <laughs>
0: Well, you know what? That's that's not insane. It's it's very smart business. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, but I mean, if you're there and I'm taking care of you, in turn, you guys and gals take care of me.
1: Well, you make it easy, too, because like we said, it's a one-stop shop. You guys have pretty much everything. If you don't have it, you can build it fairly easily. Uh, you, The graphics department is easily the best graphics department ever like everything i send them their turnaround is so quick and they do it so perfectly um, everything that sat uh, builds is pristine like well
0: you know it's i believe 100 percent in the collaboration and yeah i collaborate with my clients you the property masters i collaborate with all the employees that i get to go to work with each day yeah. it, it's, it's a team. collaboration
1: all your team over there is like it's it's i mean Casey over in SAT, like I love bouncing the ideas off her and making her do it. Matt just told me my salesperson over there. He just told me that he he just got sworn into forty four. Yeah, and, and he said, "Oh, if you have any Saturdays, like I can't wait till I have a Saturday that I can bring him on and like see how we like give him some time on set to be able to like yeah. play around and stuff." And th-
0: that's the the good news, bad news about you know our being union is that we've populated the film and television industry with a lot of ex-ISS employees. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I'm okay with that too because they turn out to be really good clients. Um, They're more skilled and knowledgeable about props than a lot of other people are that came in different ways. And it's not that we're you know that much more special it's just that they've encountered hundreds of different property masters on hundreds of different projects and you can learn a lot even from somebody doing it completely wrong
1: oh yeah totally you
0: can learn i'll never do it like that yeah <laughs> or you can learn wow that was brilliant i'll that if i'm propping a show someday i'll do it just like this person because yeah i've worked with them on 10 shows being their salesperson i've learned a lot from that person yeah so it, Absolutely, it, it, it's I. I hate losing people, but I'm also um, happy that they're getting the opportunity to do something that they want to do. Totally, <laughs> but the whole set hours thing, you know, is not for everybody.
1: No. Not at all. (laughs)
0: Some people like coming to one place at 8 o'clock in the morning and leaving at 6 o'clock at night and not having fratter days and having their complete weekends to themselves and still having all the union bennies and a decent wage. It's not the blood hours and the big paychecks you guys are used to, um, but they set their life up according to, you know, an ISS salary versus, you know, some baller prop master making huge money. Yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) Do you, have, do you have anything that's come out of uh, ISS that like you're most proud of as far as props or anything you've had to build or anything like that? You know, I
0: wish I had a better answer for this question. Yeah, because I'm sure you've gotten
1: it before. <laughs> I have, and I'm
0: going to work on that. <laughs> I, I unfortunately don't have a great answer. I, I will tell you um, I'm proud of every time I go to a show and I see something that we made, we built, um, there's two property masters today that I reached out to and uh, thanked and congratulated for their being nominated for um, their shows that they worked on. They were nominated for Oscars for oh, the yeah. art department, uh, right. Brad, Brad Einhorn and Doug Harlocker, uh, for Dune. And when oh, I awesome. see, I don't know if you've seen Dune, I have. Yeah, but it's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, it's very um, gorgeous. And many of the props in that film we made. So when I go to see the film, You know, I kind of geek out about how cool everything is and how it ties in with the story. And then when you find out that it was also nominated for an Oscar, then it's like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. You know, but I'm a total Star Wars geek. Yeah, so, I was gonna say Star um, Wars, you doing, guys do a lot of Marvel stuff too. We right? do yeah. and I love those. Um, it's way better than rom com. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> because a there's a exciting. lot
0: of props. We make stuff, we blow stuff up, we shoot the hell out of things. That's yeah. way better for business than two people sitting at a table having like a discussion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, I've like Star Wars props and little things that are scattered around here, too. Like, I'm a huge Star Wars guy. You get to make a lot of the, the we, stuff for them? We do.
0: And I'm so stoked because so much of it was done abroad before, and now that these spinoffs are done in oh, yeah. Manhattan Beach.
1: And them being actually good is like a way better thing, too.
0: Yeah. And, and that is, that's also a perk, obviously, with Mandalorian uh, coming out and it being such a success and being done so well. Right. The fact that we get to build some of the props and spaceships and speedsters and drones and yeah. all the cool things. And and those prop people have their own internal shop as well. So they build a lot of stuff yeah. themselves internally, but like we're building big things, spaceships, things that, you know, aren't just even hand props. anymore. yeah, it's, it's pretty fun to be involved at that level.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, Casey was telling me, uh, not too, she says a, a while back because I we're working on a thing that's I used as a reference was the Han Solo being stuck in the um the 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 chamber thing, right? The freeze chamber. And she said that they you guys had brought that in to like use as a reference for a day or so, or a couple of days or something like that. And everybody was cheesing super hard about they it, they were even,
0: <laughs> and probably even more than that. It may have been before Casey was even at. Uh, SAT, but yeah. for Lucas Lucasfilms, um, we had one of the original Chewbacca uh, outfits, the costumes, <laughs> that came in, and we were refurbishing it for his own private collection. No way. And there were some people that were really geeking out hard yeah. on that. And I have to admit, that kind of stuff historically, for films that have just kind of like, broken barrier, set the new watermark expectations. That's kind of the cool thing. You look at some films going back 30, 40 years ago, and it's so cheeseball. Yeah. Back then it was cool. But if you look at it in comparison to what's taking place now with CGI and computer imagery and and the ability to make and do things real time. For years, we were told that, you know, ISS is going to end up on a five-CD collection. In the future, you won't need props. Everything will be computerized. And... The, the exact opposite yeah. has been no what's way. happened. <laughs> we're making more stuff, doing more things that's actually enhancing CGI, but we're still physically building and doing. And now even with the new technology, with this new uh, set that has all of the, the LEDs and oh, the lights, yeah. everything inbuilt, yeah. we're still building a ton of stuff for that that's all in the foreground. Oh, totally. And then everything else is projected. Yeah. So our, our job and our craft is, is a long way from going away.
1: Oh, yeah. I 100% agree. I... I still cheese. I mean, everybody cheese. They have these installments everywhere. Uh, on the end of our episode last year, we had to send stuff. We had said at the end of every show, you have to make a, an assets list and set it to a warehouse somewhere. But on top of that, they had like the archives that they give you a list of specific stuff that they want to send in that they're going to put in a glass case. And yeah. I know, and that that was like a little bit exciting for me too because I was like. I love like you go into Disney they have the prop room like I always have to go into the prop room. Right. So I still have to see it even though we see a lot of the stuff on a daily basis. It's like it's still more exciting to me than anything to like go into that prop room and see like all the Batman props. Like you oh, see yeah. that a lot of times and all that stuff. So it's it's kind of cool. <laughs> that was kind of a highlight for me. Uh, the town was very
0: busy. They had an issue with an English armor in the Batman that went to Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. So a friend of mine was the prop master on the show and I knew some of the producers and they hired me to do the Hong Kong portion as the armor. Yeah. And I got to go to Hong Kong awesome. and work on a Batman project. That's amazing. And it was pretty cool just being around that entire process for such an iconic show. Yeah. Uh, and one of the coolest parts is we were on the top of the second tallest building in the world at that time with batman standing on the edge and you know i'm putting his belt on with all the batman geek stuff yeah yeah um and i'm like 10 feet away and it's like i'm a 57 year old man and i'll probably go to my grave just having warm fuzzy thoughts about doing stuff like that yeah totally yeah it's 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 a great gig props have been very very good to us
1: no yeah and i mean that's why i kind of i've always wanted to play with the toys which is why i figured out i wanted to do this Pretty quickly. <laughs>
0: yeah, we just have a, a pretty good sized toy box now. Yeah. And uh, yeah. The, the cool thing with having been acquired by um, such a global entity is that our companies and the business model that we've established here will really be grown in, uh, in Canada, both on Vancouver,
1: Toronto,
0: Calgary, the UK, New York, um, Georgia, huh? uh, Well, we're already (laughs) in Georgia, um, but it's going to be expanding and growing quite a bit in the the coming years.
1: Awesome. As long as you're still there running it, that's all I care about. (laughs) You know what?
0: Until I don't like going to work each day, I'm going to keep doing what I do. And I get to work with guys like you and, And and gals in the industry. And I get to see the evolution of our industry as it so rapidly changes. And then the other thing is, you get to meet so many different, weird, goofy people. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's not just like the standard corporate gig. No, we're some characters. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we do kind of attract a very unique, interesting interesting group of human beings yeah uh, and my, my mom used to say all the time and it's very true of our industry um, the best soups have a lot of weird interesting ingredients <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this industry is all about a bunch of weird interesting ingredients 100 <laughs> percent. so i dig
1: it so um we'll get let's let's talk about some movie and tv stuff i guess not that we haven't already but um i want to know what's What's like your three go to movies like as far as rewatchability goes? Like if you could only watch three movies your entire life, what do you think oh my you would kind of go to?
0: Um, I actually do have a list of top ten movies, but I, I love Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump Just, is a great one. <laughs> every time it comes on, I get sucked in. It's I,
1: one of those ones you can't pass when you're flipping through the channels yeah. for sure.
0: And then I love Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah. Same thing. One yeah. of my most prized possessions is a hand-carved AK-47 that was used in Apocalypse Now because they had a typhoon and they wouldn't let the guns come into the country. Oh, my God. So they had indigenous people hand-carve AK-47. So most of the scenes when you see the the guys running through the jungle are with these hand-carved wood guns. There's probably only... Five or six of them still in existence, and I have one.
1: Is it framed? No, it's not framed. It's just just sitting in my office. Um,
0: But the other one that drives my wife crazy, a film that comes on, and I can't not watch it, is The Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah? Oh, my gosh. I just see that scene like when everybody was leaving... Uh, Egypt. Oh, totally, yeah. And I think, oh my God, how did you prop that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like thousands, thousands upon thousands yeah. of people, chariots, all their worldly possessions, right. leaving... Egypt and I look at scenes like that. I'm just oh my god, my mind is blown.
1: A lot, a lot of lot of lot of extra
0: people, <laughs> extra hands that
1: day. Yeah. So
0: I mean, I I love old movies. I love the new movies. I love TV and streaming now. COVID has kind of ushered in a whole new quality of television. Yeah. It is kind of the uh, um, the, the golden era for TV. It's never been better. Are you I watching mean, a lot of TV? Lately? Oh. God, what, yeah. What are I your mean, big shows lately? I, I love Billions. I love Succession. Oh, yeah. I love uh, Ozark. Ozark's
1: uh, good. Yeah, I've been waiting for that second part to come. <laughs> oh, my God. That was
0: just, there's so many like, what the uh, Yeah, F? exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's really well done. And, and cable and streaming allows people to write and produce things that are much more intelligent, much more real. Right. Um. A little edgy, obviously not made for ABC at eight o'clock. No, everybody not at all.
1: Have you seen the new Pam and Tommy at all?
0: I have heard it's amazing. I've seen the trailers. I was just you want to talk edgy. Oh, I, <laughs> I heard. I heard this, this whole like five minute conversation he's having with his junk. Dick, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's like the pee holes talking. It's like the most uncomfortable scene to watch ever. And it it, it like it, it's funny because it takes like it's not that bizarre up until that point point, right, and the whole series just takes like a left turn right there and you're like well that the that's a this? perfect example
0: i've only seen the trailers but all the trailers i've seen the talent that they cast for this you instantly believe it's them yeah. because they look so good. so good the props casey shaw was the prop master on the show and i, I called him up to compliment him uh, all the props that i've seen on the trailers look amazing um and we did a bunch of people wouldn't think of this, but vintage money, because there was a bunch of money that was used right. throughout that entire time period. And it was all 80s and 90s. So it's all the different small head old money, which is harder to come by now.
1: Was it fake money or no, did you take no, real we, money? No, we yeah. use real money. <laughs> I know you do real money. Yeah. That's...
0: <laughs> real money's the real thing. I got into a lot of trouble years ago when we did Rush Hour 2.
1: I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I tell, have us, a... tell the story, though. What was, oh, what was it? You know the more real story. I've just heard rumors. <laughs>
0: Well, this is what actually happened. Um, we were working with Trish Gallagher originally on the, on the movie, and they were working with an Agent Snow yeah. to come up with this counterfeit bill. It's the whole story point, this yeah. you know undetectable $100 counterfeit bill. Well, Agent Snow, about halfway through the process, informed production that what they were attempting to do uh, crossed the line, and it was counterfeit. They couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, production didn't tell us that as a vendor. <laughs> So I went ahead and produced, per their request, $1 billion of $100 bills. Holy crap. That's 14 pallet loads of solid $100 bills. People don't realize. Did you we,
1: stack them all next to each other? We
0: throw out the term billion dollars like it's nothing. Yeah. But people, until they physically see how much a billion dollars is, have no idea how much a billion dollars is. You're
1: going to have some pictures of you laying on that bed. I wish I did. <laughs> we, should,
0: we should have thought of that, yeah. but we didn't. I, do, I will tell people that just the paper to make a billion dollars costs $77,000. Yeah, That wasn't design time, that wasn't build time, that wasn't assembly time. Okay, so anyways, get to the story. They blew up the money in the story, and all the people in the casino, um, even with all the security, they thought they'd get a little keepsake, a little movie memorabilia, they put it in their pocket and they left. Well, over the next week, all this money started turning up as counterfeit in several states throughout the United States. So Secret Service rolled in.
1: Several states Several so it's spreaded, it spread quickly. Did they the prop team like try to or did the production try to collect as much of it as they, they can? They did their like, best, but yeah. it's blowing, blowing up. off buildings, yeah. yeah.
0: So, what you're not going to get it all, no. Um, so Secret Service rolled in one day and they came in and they identified themselves. I thought I was being punked.
1: Did it have the movie stamp on it too? No, like no, page? I mean, no, it was if I were it to show been...
0: you what it looked like, there were 20. 22 or 23 separate things that made it distinctly different than a real $100 bill and it even set on their motion picture money but they thought it was close enough to pass because people were taking yeah. it. So Secret Service rolled in, um, flashed their badges. I thought I was being punked. Yeah. <laughs> and you could tell after a while from my reaction to them, they're like, why aren't you taking this seriously? Because I just thought somebody was punking me that yeah. they sent Secret Service over here to bust me. Right. So um, then they showed me their guns <laughs> and I realized, okay, these guys are for real. Yeah. Then they showed me the cease and desist. They basically took all of the money that we still had. They confiscated all the digital files. I had to send out um, certified mail to every single production that may have possibly rented or used any of this money in the last year. And they had to return it to me. I had to hold it for Secret Service to then pick up. (laughs) So I have a letter that I can never again make prop money. So that's why when money comes up on film scenes now, I tell people use real money. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not counterfeit. There's nothing better than real. And you won't get in trouble for it.
1: Yeah. Or even like, I think we've gone, like if you want to use p- fake money, uh, I think my salesperson has said, oh, there's a website. Go to that website. There is. It, yeah. It's, it's propmoney.com. And yeah, they do it. propmoney.com.
0: They supposedly have a letter of uh, o- of okay from an agent. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. We, for we, you guys. It, money is way more labor than people know. Yeah. I'd just rather have somebody else handle it.
1: Yeah, but you guys have real money. So we do have real money. So and once, it went to Pam and Tommy. <laughs> and it went to Pam and Tommy. But nothing looks better than the real money. So no, it's the real true. Pay. It's true, especially if you have close-ups of it. I mean, I notice the promotion picture use every single time of money now. I kind of look for it. Whenever once see again, money. one of
0: those things when something's not done right, it's yeah. the thing that we get noticed for. Uh-huh. So I tell people to use real money. Yeah. And then if you do your job right and you get it all back, it didn't cost production anything. Yeah. Totally. Cuz it's still money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um another series i i just started watching euphoria for the first time yeah i've heard it's really good i haven't caught one yet it's pretty good we just started getting into it it's way more serious and intense than i thought it was yeah that's
0: i mean coming out of like covid i'm trying to stay with some things that are a little lighter and fluffier oh yeah i heard that's a little on the righteous gemstones
1: is very unserious and more fluffy oh really (laughs) yeah that one uh with uh what is it? Danny McBride. Oh, he's he's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. That was
0: one of the, the joys coming out of COVID was uh Ted Lasso.
1: Oh Ted Lasso Same was thing. so good. It
0: was just so different and so light, and we needed a comedy at that time. Oh yeah. We were all at our homes. We we're all like done with COVID. Yeah. And and we'd watched everything on Netflix and Amazon right. and all the streaming service. This thing kind of came out of left field and yeah. just kind of captured everybody.
1: Yeah. The it it kind of I think my my truck person and and Rachel Flores, uh, a big assistant brought master. She she told me about it. I was like, "What is what is this?" And I kind of started watching it because they were like freaking out about season two coming out. And I sat down. I think within two weekends, we busted out the whole first season, and it was like, I it was pretty much perfection. That whole first season was so good. I don't think I had anything bad to see. The second season was okay. It was still good, but it, uh, that first season was so good. Well,
0: that's one of the other things that COVID really brought on with me was the binge watching.
1: The binge watching, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: and, and you know it's bad when it comes up. It's like, are you still there? Are you still watching? You yeah. know that little icon that comes up on your screen when you've been watching too many episodes Yeah. and it thinks that maybe you're passed out or something? Yeah. But no, I love binge watching. It's like the efficient way to watch things. There's no commercials. You yeah. don't have to mess with it. You can plow through five or six episodes. Episodes. yeah
1: and then there's <laughs> there's still the shows that are coming out like showtime and hbo that are coming out week by week like i was I, one of my favorite shows of all times was, was dexter i think that's why like i actually sought out pola in the beginning to like work with her because she did the first few seasons of dexter so dexter like my dog is named dexter because <laughs> of that. Cool. so when i heard dexter was coming back to like do the ending some justice i got so excited but then it it kind of frustrated me because I was so excited that you watch an episode it's like oh man now i have to wait a week to watch the next episode
0: <laughs> Well, it's kind of interesting to see the different business models that the different streaming services have that's part of why i kind of appreciate Netflix is that they drop them all at
1: one all at time once. Except for Ozarks, where now they're doing half of a season at the one time.
0: Yeah, that was a little bit of a tease. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they, they've they all got us hooked. And then what was it? Uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, Game yeah. Game of Thrones got us hooked on not just the program, but then waiting two years until yeah. like another season came oh, out. Oh, totally. I mean, that was really frustrating. Yeah,
1: you had to go back and watch like the ending of the last season so you can kind of remember what was going on. Exactly.
0: They do a little bit of a recap, but it doesn't really do it justice. No,
1: Yeah. Um you're, you're into the, the Star Wars series a lot, right?
0: Yeah, although I have not... My wife isn't, so it's kind of a guilty pleasure. Same. I, I'm in the exact same boat. And bro. I don't get a lot of just quiet me time. Yeah. So if the wife is away and it's just me, then I can kind of get caught up on it. Yeah. But I haven't kept, caught any of the Boba Fett. No. No, and I'm only through season one and two of Mandalorian.
1: Oh, no. Mandalorian's yeah. so good, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, Um, my wife like prefers she likes to watch like 90 day fiancés <laughs> a lot of like the reality shows that come it on.
0: sounds like your wife and my wife would be besties yeah <laughs> yeah her one of her guilty pleasures is like you know bachelor and these kinds of shows. we haven't made
1: it to bachelor yet but she does like like what is it? Love Island and stuff like that.
0: It, it's just around the corner for you. Trust yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be there. And then if and when you have children, yeah, then you'll be into this time period where it's, you know... Barney and all oh, these horrible yeah. little cartoons and commercials. It, yeah, it, it is what it is. We're,
1: I mean, you probably saw my DVD collection come in. I have all the Disney movies unlocked, and I'm down to keep watching those ones. So I'm hoping we can hook them more on those. But yeah, I know Barney and stuff comes with it.
0: That's one I would like to see again to see if it holds up. Well,
1: is Lost? Is Lost? Yeah. My other series. dog is named after a character from Lost. Oh, really? Too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Lost uh, was one of my favorite ever shows. Now, how old are you? Me, I'm 30, about to turn 32. Okay, so you're still a child. Yeah, still pretty young. But Lost was definitely, like, I think it was, I was in film school as Lost was still airing and everything. And Now, where did you go to film school? Full Sail University. Okay. Down in uh, Orlando, Florida.
0: Now, this is a question I don't think I've ever asked anybody that went to film school that became a property master. Did you have any significant takeaways that you've applied to your current position
1: as a property master from film school? Hmm. I guess the takeaway, it, it, it gives me an appreciation for other positions, I guess, that and how I work with them because I kind of can know what they can do, not to help me, but like to kind of, I guess, give me support in certain areas, like their areas of expertise, especially with shows like the one I'm doing right now to where... There, like right now, I can't talk about that episode. I just realized, so I'm glad <laughs> right. I stopped myself. But there, like, there's a lot of stuff hair can help me with when we're using wigs or or stuff like that, or more specific things for other things, and like even makeup. Like we have a lot of masks that go into this, so they they can help me. With kind of like when you have beauty stuff that's supposed to be what the mask looks like, they can do that. So that stuff has applied, and then also just kn- knowing lighting, I guess it, it's given me a little bit more of an appreciation from that. As far as props go, though, I did we did uh we did three semesters of just production design and art direction. So we went through the designing of the sets, and we we were we like learned the CAD programs or Vectorworks and stuff like that. Then we did production art direction sets where we actually worked and built the sets and learned Mm. the scenic work and did that stuff on it. But we never zeroed in on props specifically. But for my sixteen millimeter project and my final thirty-five project, uh, I was a production designer for both of those. So I knew I wanted to be an art department right then, and in being the production designer, I mean, I had a production designer and I had an art director, and then the class was helping you build the sets and stuff like that, but we had to pretty much source all the props and all that stuff. So that's the only real takeaway, but I didn't know I wanted to work, I didn't really know the ins and outs of props until I got into set, and then I think I took a, I think JP Jones was got me and he showed me his trailer. He was the first guy oh, really? to show me a trailer and it was the production designer was looking for, he was going to do the show for his friend that was like a non-union. And this is like 10 years ago, uh, like tiny, tiny little show pay was horrible. It was like bought but then he got a big show offer. He's like, Oh, I can't, but I'll supply like anything that the person needs. And I, I just applied to it cause it was like on Facebook or Craigslist or whatever was Mandy's list, whatever I was like applying to a lot of the time. Right. So I applied to it, got the job and she hit me up she's like, "Have you ever propped anything?" I was like, "No, but I I'm going to go all in on it. I'll do my best. I've done art department for a few years. I can do whatever I can." And she's like, "Oh, I have this friend JP Jones and I think I actually met you." That was a long time ago. Oh, really? So it was because I think he introduced me to you like in passing in the oh, hallway. Okay. Yeah, I've
0: known JP a long time. Yeah,
1: it was a long time ago, <laughs> and he he like brought me onto his trailer. And he's like, "Here, take the carts. You need a chair cart. We didn't. I, they didn't need chairs on that one, so we didn't do that." And he like kind of showed me. He's like, "Okay, I saw. Here's how you break down a script." And he literally showed me and sent me his his Excel and how he breaks down a script and did it. And I still use that. Same Excel method to this day, actually. I mean, that's that's what I think
0: our craft should be, and it, it is, at its very best, the collaboration that I want to see moving forward is that someone like J.P., helps you get started mentoring you yeah um jp is very involved in the prop masters guild yeah Uh, he's very involved as is nicole ruby for some diversity Totally.
1: honestly i don't even think i don't even know if he would recognize me at this point i don't even think he knows how big of an impact that was in like how he kind of shaped how the start of being a prop master was. Like, I use his breakdown to this day oh, in his Excel, which is crazy. I was just
0: talking to him today, trying to get a person
1: uh, for a friend of his, a producer, to do
0: a couple days of reshoots.
1: Oh, really? So,
0: <laughs> and, and three of his sons have worked at ISS. One of them is still currently working at ISS. Right,
1: yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I remember him being so nice and being so passionate about it. And that's what I, and that was definitely the nail in the coffin job because it was hard. It was out in Lancaster and we were on location. We stayed in a hotel. It was my first location job. Like every like the <laughs> Your whole Your first years.
0: location and it was as sexy as Lancaster. It was
1: as like sexy as Lancaster Woo! and it was I mean, it because I had to prop out the entire movie because we were staying out there the whole time. So right. it got me to do that. It was a, a heist movie with like a money bag and people kind of like it was, it took place in the 60s. So everybody's smoking. So like a lot of like. And little- you
0: weren't even a twinkle in your parents' eyes in the 60s. Yeah, right? no, not even. Close. You were, no, no, I'm just gonna guess. You were born in like 1990 or 1985. 19-
1: my, my my mom and my mom was born in 1960, and my dad was born in 1961. So, <laughs> I'm uh, a product of
0: 1964. So yeah, but don't ever call me dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was born in 1990. Actually, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah. okay. We just hired some. This this is funny. Uh, a, a a driver that I worked with back on Doogie House, a guy named Joe Napoli. I I just hired this girl her last name was napoli i just found out it's joe's granddaughter oh yeah so i sent him a text this is when you know you're old as f when i just hired your granddaughter (laughs) to work at iss it's like so that's like three generations yeah you know her dad is dave napoli who's a lead man in the film business as well yeah so now she's getting her start at iss promos
1: yeah well, honestly, as somebody who's worked in the industry as long as you have and everything, you don't look that old compared to a lot of people that have worked those crazy hours well, I, and I have
0: a theory on that. As we get older, our eyes get bad, so you just can't see shit. I don't,
1: <laughs> I'm like an old
0: mummy sitting across from you, but I'm, I'm, I'm 57 years old. I still feel pretty good. I like what I do. Yeah. And uh, when you get to be with people that you enjoy... Um, it keeps you young. It keeps you uh, energized. It keeps you into the whole process.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, before we end, I, I pulled up a little list. Sometimes I go through like top 10 bests, whatever, top 10 a- actors, best thing or whatever. This one's a fun. I think I've done like a variation of this before, but I think this one's a good one to do with you. Is uh, um, The top 10, that, I forgot this from a top 100 website, but okay. it's Thrillist Top 100 um, Most Famous Props. mm so just with that being said, we'll go through the top 10 of them, but there's 100. Uh, what do you think would be number one, the number one most famous prop ever? Ever?
0: It's probably something like a lightsaber. That's what I was going to guess, too. Yeah, It's either...
1: Yeah, I was thinking... I, I can't think of anything else too crazy. It's funny lightsaber. because
0: years ago, I was involved in uh, possibly buying Ellis Burkenteel. Um, I almost bought them. It's one of the few regrets I have in what I've done in the business is that I did not buy them because they ultimately got pieced out and sold very quickly after the people that bought them. But there was an auction that took place and there was a Japanese investor that paid, I believe, $400,000 for what they thought was the original lightsaber. And it was a Graflex freaking, um camera flash that's all, <laughs> that's all it was yeah it was like a big scam but that was like the lightsaber <laughs> right. you know, they, they thought it was like the one yeah um, but I would say that Maltese Falcon maybe oh yeah yeah probably guns from Mike Clint Eastwood but I mean super, icon- yeah, have super iconic have you ever seen have you ever seen that video of uh, the guy in Atlanta producer it called why props matter no oh I'm gonna send you this it's about a four-minute video, yeah, and it so well encapsulates why props matter, right? Right, <laughs> and, and some of it, like rosebud, is one of the props that they use as an example.
1: That's the sleigh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's this, that's probably
0: on the list. Yeah, I'm sure that's on the list. But w- what is number one on the list?
1: I don't know. Let's see. Come so, on. so uh, I'll do an honorable mention of from twenty. So the, we'll run through these ten. So number twenty is the ring from the Lord of the Rings. Okay. So that's pretty famous to set back. Um nineteen is the red balloon from the red balloon. <laughs> um the knife from Psycho. Oh yeah. Eighteen. The burn book from Mean Girls. Cool. Um, the boom box from Say Anything. That's pretty good. That one's pretty yeah. good. Those boom boxes are worth so much money so much. now.
0: And I love collecting that old stuff. Yeah. It's super, super cool.
1: Yeah, somebody told me how much they were worth, and I had to like. I was like, I got one of those on my trailer. Um, the boombox from Do the Right Thing. Really? Yeah, I'm surprised they'll say anything when I hit in front of that one. Yeah. Okay, this one's good. Number 14 is The Golden Ticket from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, the Umbrella from Singing in the Rain. Um, number 12 is The Baby Carriage from Battleship Potomac. Can, I don't know this movie, 1925 wow. movie. Uh, I, I've seen references to this, though, where the carriage is going down the stairs.
0: I, wasn't that in that uh, gangster thing, though? I don't know. I think that's the one we're thinking of, right?
1: Maybe. it's. I've seen references in a few things. Okay. So I guess it was referencing this movie. The jetpack from uh, Thunderball, 1965. Um, okay, now, now here's the top ten. Um, the leg lamp from A Christmas Story. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think that one's iconic. You could see yeah. re- remakes of that every single Christmas right. popping up. Like, that's like a Christmas decoration now. Pretty much. I think for everything. I think they're remaking this. I they're heard. remaking everything. They are. Remaking. Oh my <laughs> <everything>. <laughs> They're remaking remakes. Yeah, I know. So you have to have one every 10 years, right? <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day. I think my truck guy. My truck guy always, I love him because he always, I've had him on a couple of times. He always asks these random questions. He's like, if you could write it, make a sequel to any movie ever, what would it be? I was like, what movie hasn't had a sequel or a remake? <laughs> yes, the like answer yesterday, I think. <laughs>
0: okay, what what series probably has more remakes or redos than any other one? I don't know what this is, but I would say Spider Man. There's been more Spider Mans, more versions of Spider Man than any movie I can possibly think of. Is there something I'm not thinking of?
1: Um, Star Trek, maybe. <laughs>
0: Star Trek, but there's all, I mean, it's still Star Trek. It is
1: still Star Trek, yeah.
0: Yeah. Different time periods, different captains, but I don't know. It just seems like there's more spider man than totally. anything
1: else. Yeah, totally. If, yeah, zeroing into one thing. Right, so they what, even made a movie with all of them together. <laughs> so what's number seven? Number nine. Number nine. Number nine is The Bone Club from 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, wow. I wouldn't think that would be that high on the list, though. Yeah. This one, okay, the The Heart of the Ocean from Titanic. Yeah. So that one's a good one. One that the lady dropped, this multi million dollar ring she throws in the ocean at the end of the movie.
0: The one my granddaughter had to have for Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways.
1: Um, Number seven is the origami unicorn from Blade Runner.
0: Wow, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that one's a good one. That's probably in a glass case somewhere. This one, this one's a good one. Um, Number six is Wilson. Oh, um, yeah. From Castaway. I know somebody who has three or four of them. Oh, yeah? Because yeah. you're friends with the prop master. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so recently retired. Recently who did that? It was Rob, Robin Miller. Robin Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Infamous prop master. Infamous. Holy and crap. one
0: of the original ones went some sort of auction, I think, through Prop Store of London. It was, I want to say it went for almost somewhere between three and four hundred thousand dollars
1: holy crap that's it a... should for I, i've read the story of how difficult they had to do it was to get these to oh. where they were on location and what they had to go through and how they had to move the label and get the manufacturer to do that and everything like that that's that, golden prop master that was and robin
0: miller is one of the classiest best prop masters I've ever worked
1: with. Yeah, known to be one of the best prop masters of and, all time. And yeah. could not
0: be a greater gentleman. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome. <laughs> um number 5 uh the Maltese Falcon. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. So getting there, oh, Bogart. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good one. Um all right, uh so getting down to the bigger ones. Ah, I, did, I don't know why I didn't think of this one. This one's good. The the hoverboard. From Back to the Future. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, that was a big thing.
1: That one, I think, uh, I think I saw that in a glass case last time uh, we went to Universal Studios. In the theme park? <laughs> I
0: think it was originally sold to Planet Hollywood. Really? And then some other people eventually went... Planet Hollywood went BK. A mm. bunch of their memorabilia that they had at all these little stores all over the world uh, ended up in other people's hands.
1: Yeah, <laughs> definitely, yeah. I the... think
0: that was not Jim Zamansky, but uh, John Zamansky was the prop master on that.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Is he still prop mastering? No, both <laughs> of those guys have retired. Retired, yeah. yeah. Um. Let's see. So number three, the horse
0: head from The Godfather. Oh, that's awesome. My friend just had to recreate that for the the offer. Uh, like exactly the uh, same, same, pretty series, much. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. It obviously could be a real horse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they had to recreate that scene for the movie, the offer. I guess it's a limited series.
1: Yeah. Man. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder, like back in those days, I, I can't even imagine. Like it's such a different style of prop mastery. I don't way of prop know mastery. for
0: certain, but and I don't want to say this incorrectly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I believe that was a real horse head. Really? I I believe I've it heard, back then. Yeah, I've heard some crazy stories about films back then. I I heard like in Apocalypse Now when that big scene of all the bodies and everything right. in the jungle. I heard those were real bodies. People
1: they they go they get them from a morgue they, or something like they that. They had
0: people that would they had family members they had people that passed away and it was they got more money for that. Than, oh
1: damn!
0: I I don't know that that is true. I right. heard that rumor from a few different people. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked. It was a foreign country. It was yeah. back in the day. Yeah.
1: Nowadays, if you have bees on set, they have the Humane Society there. Like It hey, is a
0: very different business it's now. super different. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, number two is Rosebud. Uh, there you go. Citizen Kane.
0: So number one's got to be. A lightsaber. <laughs> lightsaber. It's got to be. It is. The lightsaber from Star Wars. And it r- was originally made from parts of a Graflex film camera, a film flash. Really? That was its original inception.
1: That's interesting. And yeah. now it's like I remember my my wife gave me a hard time. I think one of the lightsabers up there. My my wife gave me a hard time cuz we went to Disneyland. I was like, "Oh, no, I have to do the lightsaber experience." She's like, "It's $250." I was like, "I got to build a lightsaber. Like right. it's it's kind of worth it just for like going through the steps and you pick your tray and they're like it it was it was a cool experience.
0: Yeah. People are passionate about those kinds of props. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a little surprised. Uh, there's, I guess, no iconic props that would have come from like Alien, like a film like that. Yeah, but not. I, there's not like a specific prop I can think of that. No, you know, or but, like Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, uh, Pirates the, of the Caribbean. One of the, for the sure. coins or the guns or, or yeah. something.
1: One of the coins or the guns would make sense. Or the, even like the coin. I was thinking the coin from. Uh, from like uh, the Goonies or something like or that. Or what about the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark? The whip, oh, the hat, the the, 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 the gold yeah, little the gold head. Thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's
0: so many cool things. Now, that was a cool movie when I grew up. That was like the first movie I can remember. That and Alien that I can remember seeing. It's like, oh my God, this yeah. is like a massive production. How did they do this? The, the scope and the scale of
1: it was yeah. just so large. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, that list was brought to you by Official Clothing, a clothing brand rooted in hip-hop based out of Tucson, Arizona. They got some pretty awesome clothes. Good t-shirts, good hats, all kinds of stuff. If you go over over to ohfishl.com, use promo code HOLLYWOOD, you get 25% off your first purchase. Um, We're part of an Inner Circle podcast network. Um, you said inner circle earlier, and I, I laughed a little bit earlier because I've been part of this network for over a couple of years now. And just when it comes up, like I, 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 catch it in movies and I steal like the sound bites to like throw it in somewhere. And now when people like say, oh, we're all part of this inner circle or whatever, it, like comes up now. Just but we these, are. It's yeah. like
0: when you become a prop master, you learn the secret handshake. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I feel like you inducted me in with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what?
0: It, it's it's great. I I feel very fortunate to be part of this craft. Uh, I've felt very fortunate. Know the old timers that have been doing this. Yeah far before me and i'm great it's great to see people like you yeah that are the next generation of yeah. property masters i'm
1: glad i got to learn from the people that have retired so far and even a lot of the people that i mean that's why i'll still i'll still assist every once in a while for the people that i still look up to like richie and like right. and the people that are still doing it because
0: richie kramer is one of those really great youngish property masters he's not you know a kid anymore, but he's very well established. Done some amazing movies and and film, film and TV. He bounces back and forth
1: totally, and that's I mean, he's before I was there. He was one of the ones I love. It's like what I, I would do anything to work on that stuff, and eventually. Did it. (laughs) And he, I look up to him because he's just as passionate about it as I I (laughs) am. He is very
0: passionate, but he also has a lot more gray hair now (laughs) um, because the projects he do, he does are very stressful. Yeah. Uh, People don't realize that, you know, we don't just show up and not care if it's not right. Right. You want to please everybody. Totally. And, uh, that's not always easy to do. It's super stressful.
1: No. Um, I'll look up to him for a while. Um, But yeah, if you like this show, check out other shows from the network. It's innercirclepn.com. We have shows like The Plunge. We have Shit Happens When You Party Naked. We have Simmons and Moore podcast. Uh, We have The Untrained Eye. We have the Angry Dad podcast, newest member. Um, We have Creatures of the Night. And I I think I remembered them all. Yeah, I got them. <laughs> so uh, go ahead and check all of them out. Hood Diner, that's the one I missed. So check all of them out. You can find them at innercirclepn.com. Um, thank you for joining me uh, hey, it was tonight. Fun. It was awesome. Um, if I mean, I know ISS has an Instagram page. Uh, it, do you want people to find you? Is there anywhere they can look you up?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they can check out Instagram. They can check check out our website uh, anybody that wants to know bo- more about props people that want to get into props yeah. uh, i'll do what i can do to help them mentor them point them in the right direction
1: who runs your instagram um
0: that one of says. one of my sons is partially involved but they just hired a new social media person oh really to do that specifically so
1: i won't get tagged as much anymore
0: (laughs) um i don't know that's kind of uh nothing that i do that much yeah yeah (laughs) i'm kind of an old analog guy in a digital world so i defer to the youngins that know that world better than i do and i let them do their thing
1: yeah that's independent studio services or iss props can usually find it if you use those keywords And uh,
0: by the way, we had uh, ISS props way before the International Space Station.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. I'm glad you left with that. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for clarifying. You can find us at Failing Hollywood on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Find us pretty much on all the socials. Um, Like, subscribe, do all that things. Um, Until next time.